So, I believe on this reasonably fine day, Neris, you were on a shopping trip. Yeah, so Neris is going to the tidy Cerberus in town. He's still very tired because we've really mm. just sort of docked and everything has kind of happened and he's had a big chat with the crew and everything. Neris is going to take leave on his own mainly because he has a debt that he needs to pay. So he's going to head in as he normally does. He'll enter the shop and very slowly sort of grab the door as it's closing so it doesn't ring the bell because that's too much. So we're just going to very slowly close the door and it makes a little muted metal clanging noise and Neris will approach the counter. Udalon is there behind the counter. Hello, Neris. Um, how can I help you today? Well, um, I was hoping I have need of something and you were the first person that I thought of. I'm hoping that you have something in stock. I have found myself in great need of some form of item or something that prevents the ability of scrying. I actually have just the thing at the moment. I have simply a amulet of proof against detection of location in stock. And she reaches down from under the counter and holds out a... It's an eye-shaped amulet on a beaded silver chain. Or... And she points to a, a deep navy mantle with a silver trim hanging on the wall behind her. If you want something not necessarily tied to one school of magic, we do have a mantle of spell resistance. So that's going to cost you a pretty penny more. I'd imagine it would, something of that caliber. The amulet will go for about 300 gold. The mantle is 1,000. Interesting. Going to be honest, I was not expecting so many options. Simply, the amulet prevents you from being targeted by divination magic or perceived through magical scrying sensors. It doesn't prevent you from being seen through magic that doesn't use scrying sensors or other such things if it doesn't fall within the remit of divinatory magic. Obviously, there's not a lot of that stuff, but if you were to get both, it would cover you for most situations, but uh, either one would give you a pretty solid amount of protection. Just depends on what exactly it is you're trying to avoid. People finding out the location of an individual. Then the amulet would likely do the job. You mentioned that you sell these amulets fairly regularly. No. The amulet, they're often snapped up fairly quickly. Have you had anyone recently approach you and request some form of protection against scrying, either intended or accidental. Not beyond the usual, and that is to say, nobles buying for children or family or lovers that they have recently taken up. Why, have you been trying to scry on someone? I believe there may... There may be connections being forged between individuals for some reason, and I would like to investigate and try and find out why. What that is. Interesting. Have you come to a decision? Uh, yes, well, um, I would very much like... Um, you sell a lot of these amulets. Does that mean you have more than one in stock? I currently have the one. 
In that case, I would gladly take that one off your hands, uh, okay. as well as paying the debt that I believe was incurred in my name. Ah, yes, the uh, the three scrolls of sending. How much um, does that set me back? So the previous invoice is nine hundred plus the amulet. It's another three hundred, so twelve hundred gold all up. Very well. <clears throat> And Neris will pull out a pouch of gold, and almost aloof, like it's not paining him greatly, will turn over 1,200 gold exactly. Thank you. And she hands you the amulet in return. Well, um, thank you very much for your time. It has been a pleasure doing business with you, as always. And I you, as always. And Maris will flash the little grin that he gives only to Udalon and, like, a couple of other members. And will walk out the door and return to the safety and confinement of the Polaris. Alright, so Neris, you make your way back to the Polaris after your shopping trip. So Neris is going to go back to his quarters very quickly have his mandatory 30 second calm down from being out in public will sort of brush himself off again and gather a couple of items that he's uh, gathered over his time and is going to go out on the main deck after putting them in his satchel and try and find Janice. I suppose eventually he could see Janice hauling along like ropes or something like that and he'd be following for it probably, telling her a story or something like that. And he's quite cheerful about it, I suppose. And then, you know, I told the princess, don't worry about it, just tip me next time. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great story, Janice. Janice just stops and turns and just smiles down at Florit, who is like this tiny cat folk with thinly curled natural hair like bunched up and then a big orange scarf and mercenary gear. She is very small compared to Janice, but he just screams back down at her, and it looks very much like before. It's like, ah, well, always good to have a wonderful ear to listen. Thank you very much for it. Well, it's... I've got two of them. <laughs> right you are. It is good to be back. It's good to have you back. Oh, hi, Captain. Uh, how are we all settling in here? <laughs> Sounds like uh, there wasn't too much trouble uh, fighting-wise while I was gone. Between that, uh, I'm quite glad that the Polaris is in such good shape. Florette, I have mentioned before, you can be at ease if you wish. She just keeps oh. saluting repeatedly. Yep, so Florette stops saluting and then doesn't know what to do with her hands and then just kind of clasps them behind her back and then just kind of looks up at Janice. Right, well, <clears throat> do I have need of your bouson immediately? Or might I borrow him? Oh, me! Um, we can take it from here! Uh, he looks at her with the heavy rope he's been carrying and just awkwardly leans it up against the side of the railing, like, well, um, good luck with that. Aye, aye! (laughs) And she salutes again. He salutes back to her, and then he straightens up and looks down at Neris and just nods. Quartermaster? I mean, Captain? As it will work, but I will also just respond with Neris. Um, would you mind following me for a moment? I have some business that I need to attend to, and I would like to, um, what is the expression, um, throw two stones with one bird? That's close enough. Certainly, we can do that. Well, and Neris will begin to sort of just walk up to the front of the ship, the bow. So Neris will walk down and sort of look out to the ocean. You have not slept. Is it that obvious? 
It's like stands just like a little bit quietly just behind Windows is standing. It is important that someone in a role as beneficial as yours uh, that you are well rested. You can probably understand it is a little bit difficult to have sound rest at a time like this when anything could happen. No, I completely <sighs> understand. Um, that is why I am not chastising you, as I have done the same. You also have not slept. No, I have been thinking. He was standing behind him, he like steps forward to stand beside him and kind of just leans an arm on one of the railings. Thinking? A great many things. Um, being quartermaster, my duty of care is to the crew and ensuring that their needs are met to be the voice of the people. Yes, you are at this point overtaxed with burden. I don't mean that you can't handle it, just that it would be difficult to adapt to two roles at once. That's my assumption anyway, of course. <laughs> I've never been in either position. Perhaps you will get the chance one day. His mouth curls into another grin. I hope so. But in order to um, get to someday, you have to first get through today. And while I do not know what is going on inside your mind, I have a rough idea on what is keeping you up. As it uh. may be one of the things that is also keeping me up. That would be the safety of the ship and her crew. The entirety of her crew. Dennis again has one of that strange, kind of hard to read sort of look on his face, where it, like his eyes are a little bit glazed over, but it's difficult to tell because he doesn't have normal pupils. He has like the white pupils, um, but he just looks at you quite seriously. You have undertaken a great risk to allow me to stay here. I am quite surprised we have not had a visit thus far. I would not expect a visit in the last three days. They would need time to prepare, recover, and form a plan, for they believe they have all the time in the world. Perhaps they do. Perhaps they don't. And Neris is going to reach into his satchel and pull out a closed fist, and he will sort of look at the chain that's kind of dangling down from inside the fist, and he'll just kind of squeeze it a little bit, almost like he's thinking about his choices before he will slowly open up the hand and offer it out to Janus. Janus watches him very keenly, but then he reaches out and will take whatever Neris is offering him. So this is an amulet. It is dark steel, and it has this eye in the center of it. And as he's looking at it, Neris says, I am offering this to you as the captain of the Polaris. I believe I understand the methods that the Sin Seekers are using to locate you. And if I am correct, this will stop that. And he looks over and hands trembling a little bit, which you can probably surmise is less. It just tremors sometimes and more like he's not purposely focusing on hiding that as he looks over the amulet. And then he clenches his fist around it and then grins down at Neris. Thank you. It will take some time for the item to accept you as its new owner. And until we find a different solution, you must not take it off. This is ingenious if you manage to find this so quickly. I thank you very much that you would choose to give it to me. I believe 
it is an investment in the safety of the Polaris and the security of its crew. I appreciate that very much, Captain Quartermaster. Nurse looks up at the sky and the sun, which is beginning to probably crest into the afternoon. There's uh, more that I would like to discuss with you, but um, unfortunately I have a meeting in town. Would you care to accompany me? Dennis also looks up at the sun for a moment and watches the clouds drift past while he looks back at Nerys. I would be delighted. Excellent. Well, <clears throat> you didn't have anything important that you need to do right now, do you? Because we are leaving. Oh, right now? Oh, <laughs> it looks like momentary flustered and then just flips the pendant over his head and tucks it under his collar. He's probably not currently wearing all of his armor or anything like that. He's just wearing the underclothes for that. We're leaving right now. All, all right. Lead the way. Perfect. And Neris will walk off the ship and begin slowly wandering through town. Okay, so, Neris, you are making your way with Janice in tow towards the headquarters of the heads of the Hydra. So, Neris is leading Janice through town. Probably, we're not going the most direct way, we're taking the most populated route. So there are a lot of people, which is a plus and a minus. But this is what Neris has decided to do in this current moment. And we're walking through and Neris is having sort of a general conversation about the town and would probably be asking, so, um, <clears throat> exa- this is a long walk, so I would like to have some form of uh, polite conversation so that we are not just two people walking. Uh, I had a look at your uh, shore leave application, um, and it dawned on me you have not had one in a while. Oh, yes, well, you know, for a moment, his hands tremor, and then he just puts them behind his back. Well, I, uh, well, as you know, I've only just come back, so it felt like rushing off again would be counterproductive. I sort of need to relearn my footing on the Polaris as it stands and all of that, so... Ah, yes, no, of course, um, that will, uh, it, it will come with time. And you notice that as we're walking through, Neris is taking time looking at shops, but in between mm. that, his eyes do flick upwards to the sky. <clears throat> well, uh, I'm sure uh, that your time on board the Polaris will be just like old times. And as we've been walking, we've ended up just sort of like, not like a nature reserve, but there's like a little mm. strip sort of a couple of blocks away from like one of the main streets. Yeah. We've taken a turn as Neris was kind of looking at a shop and we've now entered sort of just like a park that has a few trees sort of definitely on the outskirts. There's like a, a water feature in the middle and it's large enough and it's much quieter here. There's a lot less foot traffic in the mm. afternoon and Neris does stop at this point and is sort of looking up at the sky again and then quickly at the sun. So we mentioned before you have... Um, Interest in staying aboard the Polaris? Yes, I, I just think it's the best thing to do, keep myself busy. So, and Nurse continues to, like, look up at the sky. Jonah starts to look up as well, like, what's he looking at? Uh, yes, so, um, of ah, and kind of starts at something in the air, and then turns back to Janice, and is now fully focused on Janice. Although you can see there's, like, calculations going in his head, almost like he's counting... And says, yes, so, um, I think that amulet would be a 
a wonderful addition to uh, maintaining the safety and security of the crew. But in yes. the meantime, while you are not aboard the Polaris, I have uh, taken certain measures to ensure your safety, at least, for now. And Neris pauses at that, almost like that was a big fanfare moment for him, and then nothing happens. So he kind of squints and looks back up again. And as he looks back up, there's this almost like a comet that shoots from the sun blindingly fast and slows just before it hits the ground and impacts. And you see the crouched figure of this red-skinned humanoid, giant leathery wings spread out as this fist is impacted into the ground um, and they stand slowly and cross their arms across a very thick chest uh, that is barely covered by some form of material that like it's <laughs> it's not a crop top but like <laughs> it's there oh boy hello um, and he looks at you and he looks at Neris, gives a nod to Neris, and then turns back to you. I have taken the liberty of uh, contacting a friend of mine who I have served with a time. While I am conducting business with the heads of the Hydra, I thought it may be a good idea, at least while you and your amulet are getting acquainted, it may be a good idea for you to have some more mundane protection and the figure in front of you just flexes and you see the <laughs> arms just bulge out to almost like twice their size um, oh Janice this is my friend Gaul nice to meet you I am incredibly glad to make your acquaintance Gaul I am Janice Stormbreaker Regis the Eighth the Unwathering glad to meet an old friend of the captain the figure nods at you again and Nara says oh all the gods is at the time I have to go. So, I think you and Gaul will have a wonderful time together. Uh, he will not bother you. Um, he will just oh. sort of follow you around and ensure your safety while you are in Ankesia. Okay. Will you be long? I do ever so hope not. Good. Well, I hope it goes well. If it means anything to you. I'm sure you are aware, during our time together, I do not trust easily. I have trusted Gaul with my life on several occasions. Well, that just makes me even more curious. Right, okay, goodbye. And, uh, <laughs> Aeneas will nod Janice and look up at this six-foot tiefling with <laughs> small stubby horns um, and just sort of give a bit of a nod to them. All the best. Um, and Neris will wander off to the heads of the Hydra. So, Gaul, what's your workout regime? I think we'll get back to Janus and Gaul in a bit, but Neris, you make your way to the heads of the Hydra. You wait maybe a little bit before you're let through. There are currently, today, seven members of the head of the Hydra present. Cairo is probably the one who would lead the charge of those present in the discussions with Neris. 
Caro and Victor probably have the closest thing to seniority here of the members present, but seniority isn't really officially a thing within the heads of the Hydra. They all buy in for their fair share. Hello, Neris. Uh, what have you to report of Polaris? Well, firstly, as I'm sure you're aware, I am uh, acting currently as interim captain for the Polaris. As Captain Tibor Clover is currently out of commission uh, due to some injuries sustained on the seas. We had uh, received word, yes. Perfect. Well... <clears throat> The Polaris set out um, as the terms of our contract requested. We travelled to the location, we made contact with the individuals that produced the contract to the heads of the Hydra in the first place, identified the item in question, and then set out to obtain the item requested and returned it to their rightful owners. For all intents and purposes, everything on the contract was handled fully, completely, and timely. Of course. And you will be compensated appropriately. Excellent. Another point of reference. While our captain is currently unable to perform his duties, and I am acting in his stead, um, unless expressly requested by yourselves, I would ask that the Polaris remain docked here at Ankesir for at least a period of seven days. Unless any of my colleagues have an issue with that, I think you have been sufficiently prolific in the past months to uh, warrant at least a week off. You have been targeted more than once. Is this perhaps you as the target? Or are we the target? My thoughts exactly. Victor leans against one hand and regards Nerus. These are, of course, just questions. Uh, I have conducted many hours of research into this very question myself, as if there was any threat to the heads of the Hydra as a whole, my first instinct would be to inform you. However, everything that I have uncovered so far has pointed to a much smaller plot that seems to be targeting an individual or information that one individual has possession of. I, of course, have dealt with this issue myself, and it will not be a problem anymore. Zara steeples her long green fingers, just very quietly leans over to the giant kin next to her. Dealing with uh, personal issues on company time, I see. It should be common knowledge that we do have a reputation, and we uphold it well. We cannot be too harsh when those personal issues uh, force themselves upon them. If I may allay some concerns, it is a small fact, but still a fact. Um, we were still traveling back to Ankafir, so we technically did not lose any time. A diplomatic answer, would you not say, Victor? A politician of a sort, no? Well, I suppose it's not too bad. Sounds like the job was done well. It's just always interesting to hear the details of everything. Amazing as the details clarify the broader strokes. I only aim to provide the information that I have to you. I am only acting as a conduit for the captain, unfortunately, at this time. However, I am trying to do 
as best I can to serve the heads of the Hydra, as I always have. Your efforts are acknowledged, and there is great merit behind what you say. We all pray for Captain Clover's quick recovery. Yet, I have but one concern. You say the problem has been dealt with. Should we expect any further occurrences? We have invested many funds into the Polaris. This is merely in terms of return on investments. A just question, my lord. While I am not certain regarding the future, my divination experience has only told me so much. I believe I have, to the best of my ability, acted in such a manner that will prevent further incursions. I will, of course, not rest on my laurels in this regard. If there is anything that I can learn about future-proofing the Polaris, I will do everything I can to protect that. I understand that there is a sizable investment placed into the Polaris, and I intend, as I always have, to repay that back to you many times over. I do not intend to have something as trivial as this get in the way. Neris, you have an iron-clad determination, a promising trait. Admirable. Indeed. You honor me with your words. I only intend to serve. Well, you have given us much to ponder on. I do agree with my comrade Gorik. You have an ironclad determination. It is clear in everything you have said and everything you do that you care about the Polaris. It is in safe hands. I would say on a less official note, I have been speaking with uh, your friend and mine, Eldrin Forbray, and he uh, wishes to uh, pick your brains on some matters if you desire to speak with him while you are in the city. I thank you for relaying a message. Other than that, all I can recommend is uh, take a perusal of what jobs are currently on offer and consider what tasks are at hand and what you believe you will be capable as a crew of undertaking once you are back in operation. Of course. Of course, this means when you submit your report of the mission, do not forget to submit the independent inventory search. Uh, Depending on the funds, we may be willing to replace anything that is gone. That is most generous. I will um, have an inventory sent through. Do you require anything else from me, Lord? As always, we will send for you if you require anything. At this point, I am satisfied. I would like to speak with Captain Clover when they are recovered. Of course, I will um, see to it that as soon as Captain Clover is fit for duty, that is the first on his agenda. Well, if that is all, I would like to thank you for your time, and I look forward to speaking again in the future, in whatever capacity that may be. Neris will give a bow and back out of the room. Does he not remind you of the people from your old job, no? He really does, yes. He's a strange man. Good at reports, though. 
exceptionally well, that reports. He feels the ever... shoes well. Maybe with him as interim captain, all of their paperwork will be color-coded and not just the inventories. He might be a good choice for that project Eldrin had in mind. I do think Neris would be a good fit. Do you think he would want to leave the Polaris after that sort of report? He did say he merely wishes to serve. Perhaps Mm -hmm. that was one of his diplomatic sways, or perhaps he puts great weight behind that. I think there are ways that he can be swayed. Alright, so back with Janus and Gaul. So this large tiefling, wearing what looks like very loose, probably just below the knee length shorts, and some form of material across the chest with a cloak that looks like it's been modified to allow two wings to kind of split through the back of this cloak that on closer inspection looks like it's almost like a a couple of different layers of material that may even potentially cross over into whatever is going on over his chest. It does cross over again around the neck area and there is a hood which is folded back at this point. Mm. And this figure looks across at you, just arms crossed but hands sort of underneath the armpits to just kind of like bulk himself out a little bit more as he surveys the area. Jarrett puts his hands on his hips and also self-consciously tries to puff himself up a bit more. Well, again, nice to meet you, Gaul. Gaul continues to look and looks sort of behind him at where Neris is walking away. And then as soon as Neris is out of earshot, he just like, whoo, and slumps, loses like maybe four or five inches or so off his height. Just kind of cracks his neck a little bit and goes, oh, he's lovely, but he's just like a lot, you know? Very just like focused. Yes. That's great for him. That's, it's a lot to deal with. Yeah? No, no, true. Does does he know you speak? Oh, no, I talk all the time. I, oh. I used to talk a lot when I was with him, and, and then he's like, you need to be more professional than... So, Imposing, I see, I yes, see. Yes, well, you know, I've got the muscles, I may as well use them, I guess, and, but like, I can use them, <laughs> it's just like, ah, why make a show of it, you know? I understand, absolutely, you know? Um, there's so much more to me than my huge muscles, you know? We're deep people. People will look at, I'm assuming, yourself and me, and they see the the hulking figures, the the muscles, the, the mm, rippling, like the wind going through, but we have Absolutely, depth, yeah. and but, people just don't see that. Precisely, precisely. No, I'm so glad you're on We are clearly, you know, same experiences. This is excellent. Mm. Nero said you knew him before. Yes, well, we... Um, we have bumped into each other on occasion. Um, we served for a little bit on the Encoria together. Encoria, um, oh yes. Yes, it was many years ago. I was very young. But, you know, it was, was all all fun and games. Just a little merchant caravan, just sort of gallivanting across the seas. It might have been my first posting, actually. That um, Well, um, hi. Lovely to meet you. I know very little about you. Neris, uh messaged me a couple of days ago asking me to uh, just sort of keep an eye on someone and here we are. That's me. 
I see. Yes. Apparently, well, I mean, uh, unless there's someone else. That hmm. uh, is a uh, sound judgment of my nerves, I suppose. He did mention that you were sort of like going through stuff. I didn't obviously uh, pry because, well, one, Neris is very, very private. Um, yes, and he is. two, it was a letter. And I was uh, hoping to, you know, have a chat with my old buddy. Oh. But he's just sort of here and then gone again. He's very busy. Is he just fine. like that with everyone then? Oh, very much so. He's, um, I almost saw a crack of a smile just then, but, um, might have just been wind. Well. Who could have a tale of Neris, I suppose? <laughs> he's very good at uh, at what he does. And yes. He's a, he's a good wonder. man. He's, uh, he's just got a lot in his brain. I've tried to sort of help him. One of my skills is I talk to people. Not like a professional, ah, you know, let's find information. I just like talking to people. You, you learn a lot and, and people get a lot from talking and listening and just sort of sharing. I'm quite fond of telling stories myself, and I do enjoy speaking with people. It's a good way to learn so much about someone. I mean, I suppose. I, I don't really talk to, you know, to learn anything about them, I just talk to people because sometimes it makes those people happy. That is also a very fine reason to talk to someone. So Encore was at the ship. What was Nero's doing aboard there? Well, I think he was just, he was very, um, you know, how <laughs> incredibly open he is. He was on board conducting some sort of research at the oh. time. Um, I don't know if he was looking for something or trying to find something. He, he gave me the impression that he, he was just sort of there, spending a lot of money, just sort of getting the lay of the land, if you will. But, uh, no, we, what about you? What are you doing? Oh. Why, why are you here? Well, I mean, I'm, um, I was, um, was, I have been the bosun and the uh, master at arms for the Polaris. For some time, nearly five years, actually, which is the ship Neris is currently on, if he hasn't had the time to tell you that. And uh, I spent a lot of time sailing over the years, many, many years, and um, I suppose I... Oh, some things happened, and I've been away for a little while, but um, I'm back now, so just sort of trying to find my way about the ship again. But yes, that's my sort of experience. I'm definitely not a uh, book person like Neris is. I'm... Um, a hitting things person. I, I feel you. No. Yes, no, very much so. <laughs> These aren't for show. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, absolutely. I assume not. Yes. If you don't mind me asking, why the contention? You said you are but was the person. I kind of guess that he's been getting around there as a lot where he just blanks over a bit for a moment and just like, just shrugs. Oh, I um, uh, was uh, left for a short while, I suppose. I was uh, taken, so to speak, from the ship. But it's fine, I'm back now, so... Uh, I suppose it's not my past caught up with me, or my present. But, um, yes, I was gone for a time. And this was fairly recent? Yes, I returned three days ago. And you're back working already? Well, you know, idle hands and all that. It's the best thing to get right back into it. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, you're the same sort as I, clearly. That's What's better than throwing yourself headfirst back into things? <laughs> incredibly resilient of you, but you should always take time for yourself. Especially if you've been through something like that. <sighs> well, uh, well, there's a lot to be done with the Polaris and everything. There's everything's in disarray with the captain and all that, so I will need to make up for lost time. 
Lost time. You need to make up for lost time for yourself. And if the captain's not performing their duties adequately, that's not your responsibility. Well, the, the captain's taking a break right now, so Neris is doing two people's jobs, and I'm, well, I know what it's like doing two people's jobs. It's not... Everyone's got to work a little bit harder now, that's all. And wow. it's just easier to focus on what I can do now. Keep looking towards the horizon. Make back what's been lost with my time away. Well, um, I don't know everything that you've gone through, but I'm assuming that it wasn't a good experience in any way. No. Do you... You know when you're lifting weights? Yes. And you get to a point and you've got a really good pump going. And it feels great. Really you've, feeling, just, yes. you've just hit like a, a personal best in weight and you're on top of the world. And then you stop because your muscles are hurting and you can't mm. possibly do any more. And then you let your muscles rest. Because if you keep pushing, your muscles will break and they won't be able to do that job anymore. I suppose I have made a habit of pushing further than I need to sometimes. But that's what has kept the Polaris safe for a long time. I'm pretty good at going past the normal limits of the average workout more lately than before. You know what they say. The mind is the bicep of the head. And you need to make sure that you're resting your biceps. Yes, no, you're right. I know that I'm... A stranger and I um you know <laughs> I look like this so you know <laughs> you know angry demons and devils and ha killing with a pitchfork and fire and fire wouldn't work but that's fine but um I know the importance of talking to people and while I know that in my past when I was going through a period where I kept going when I shouldn't people reached out to me and I I stopped and I listened, and they helped me understand. Not by telling me what to do, but by allowing me to tell myself. Oh, I see. So, you know what's best for yourself, but in order to tell yourself that, you need to let your bicep rest. Janice has been looking both like he's trying to listen very patiently and also like he's been trying to gauge what his intention has been. But he does just quirk and a smile instead. And he nods. I see. Yes. No, that is a fair point. You would get along very well with one of our crew members, I think. He's crocodile-y. Fishy, I'm not too sure. But similar kind of mindset. Love to meet them, but I mean, still technically on the clock. Yes, no, that's fair. Hopefully Mary's meeting is going well. Well, I'm sure it's going well. I mean, he's in a room full of politicians and his favourite thing is talking. So hopefully everyone else is going well. Bored them to death or something. <laughs> he's not that boring. No, he's he's, he's wonderful. I, I, I just... He's just sometimes a little bit too clever. And he puts himself in a situation that's very dangerous because he wants to prove himself right. Uh... I'm sure he's gotten better. I'm sure he doesn't do that anymore, but he used to when he was younger. I would be very curious about that, although I won't pry into his privacy. Perhaps I'll get him to tell me himself sometime. Mm. Well, ask him what happened to his nose. 
His nose. Okay. Yes. Excellent. Will he punch me in return? I don't think he could. No, that's probably quite true. His hand would probably crumble. I will have a think on that. I suppose rest is good sometimes. We do have time now to do so. I mean, the only person that can tell you what to do is yourself. You're very true. Well, myself and my wife, of course, but you know, that's a mutual oh. boss oh. around. <laughs> so have I told you about my wife, actually, my wonderful Anna? I've got six oh. children, actually. Well, five. Six on the way. Oh, um, tell me everything. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> she has beautiful, long, dark brown hair. She's the love of my life. We got married when we were... <laughs> uh, and for reference, Gaul listens enraptured the entire time. So, Alton, Fishman, you find yourself in the streets of Ankathir. Fishman, you have been dragged along into town by Alton. Alton, you initially wanted to go into a few different shops to try to find scrap metals and the like other components for a device of sorts that you're trying to fashion for the as i understand long-term care of the captain once once he is ready to return to light duties aboard the ship at the very least and with that the various components probably cost you around a hundred gold yeah, so I guess Alton would just kind of be like loaded up with bags of like, scrap metal and stuff. I can help with that if you want. He does his usual like suspicious look to try to gauge Fishman's intentions. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, thank you, actually. Now we look like some of the fancy folks parading around, showing off their magic. The wealthy people back in Tavamar, they would like put extra illusion effects on them to make them like sparkle or glow or change colors and such odd little things you seem to associate magic with high class uh, well i mean certain sort kinds of magic i mean those are the people that can afford the training or the components and i do see your point but i believe those people who would do something such as make their buildings sparkly and such <laughs> they most likely hire people to cast the spells for them, not even getting their hands dirty. <laughs> no, that's a good little living for the people that they hire, I suppose. It is fair. And it is a job some people are paid to create teleportation circles every single day until it becomes a permanent solution. Yes, I've heard of that. It does tend to help people. I'm sure you have your reasons for disliking magic, but there is harmless magic and there is safe magic. That really does help. That's true. You don't need to um, go full lecture mode on me. I don't know, hating on magic would be like hating all of the weather, which I do kind of in a way, but like just a light, dark night with a light breeze is much nicer than the middle of the day with the sun beating down on everyone. Magic can have its uses. It's not. I don't hate all of it. I do also prefer rainy weather, personally. However, I have come to... What's quite the word? Not to become fearful, but I expect something terrible to go wrong every single time the weather gets bad now. I believe we're three for three or four for four. You're right on that one. Yes, that is a wee little coincidence. I think I'm going to have that little fear from now on, too. It seems that every such time we are always taken by surprise. Mm. Perhaps 
we should be learning from this. True, um, what have you been doing now, slacking off on the job? Never, never, never. However, <laughs> it's important to observe. Everyone is busy, and I'm not going to ring the bell for every single gust of wind that we receive, every single cloudy day. No, no, I'm sure you've been doing a fine job. <laughs> so, what are you using these for, just out of curiosity? Ah, I don't know, have you heard of a mechanical ventilator? As in underwater, or is this for air? Yes, it's a device for when people have difficulty uh, breathing. It takes some of the weight off them. It helps them breathe without for injury or anything. I was around when some of the earlier models were made and I saw a bit of them, but they're not too common. They are, can be a bit difficult to make, a bit expensive, and most of the time magic just heals that. Um, Darby, is there fantasy asthma? I, uh, there would be, yeah. Do you believe that this is a cure, perhaps? A permanent solution? You say these things are quite rare. Is this your first time making them? Yes, it is. I've helped with some of the maintenance on them before. It is silent for a moment. Uh, well, I haven't exactly invented anything before. I haven't left a mark on the world for all my years as a medic. Do you ever wonder what will be left of you once you're gone? Will anyone remember you? Will you have made any mark on the world? Something like a saga. Well, I don't know if I'd need anything so grand, but some form of legacy, some form of impact. I don't just want to have lived all these years and achieved nothing. I don't know if this little machine is going to do anything. I don't know if it's even going to do anything for Tibble. Are we walking, talking still at the moment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd yeah. be walking. Bishman will pull out a book that he has and he'll show Alton. He'll open it up and if you have a look at it, this is like a wizard's book. This is something that I've picked up along my journey. I hope to someday fill it. But that <laughs> won't happen overnight. If you look, I've basically only written four pages but, and I have a lot more to go. If you look at that tree over there, that was once a sapling. I believe that wanting to make a big impact on the world and get your name out there right here and right now isn't something that you should be striving for. I believe that what you're doing right now, these little projects, are actually the way to success. Starting here and making small achievable goals. And I have no doubt that you will achieve this one. It will be a building block, a stepping stone onto the next one and onto the next one. And you mentioned that you haven't left any marks. That's because you are quite a skilled medic, and he'll he'll like turn around and like show his arm where Alton like patched him up in one of the first fights against the Red <laughs> Phoenix. Uh, yes. <laughs> no, I'm sure your book, your work is going to be. You're going to you'll be able to make great strides on that. You're only very young. You've got plenty of time left. Do you know how old I am? Uh, as far as I'm aware, you don't know how old you are. Yes, that was the little twist I was going to give you, but you know me well. I have an idea, but I'm not quite sure. I'm hoping perhaps Neris could shed some light on my situation, but I will wait. Do you have a reason for wanting to act quickly? 
I suspect one from prior conversations. Have things worsened? Yes. Are you in danger? I don't believe so, but if things get worse, I'll let you know. Because if things worsen, I'll have to tell our new captain. But as for now, I'd rather keep this quiet. One of the last people Not I told tried to send some guard after me to try to shoot me down in the streets, so... I remember that one. Um, yes, it was not far from here, actually. Maybe we should avoid going around there. Yes, well, thank you for the talk. Thank you for carrying my bag. I think I might head to the facility where Tibble is being held. That is fine. I will not stop you. But are you sure you do not wish to discuss any more? Perhaps a different topic. Do you remember learning magic? I know not if I am using the same spells as I once did. It was really instincts, honestly. Survival in the wilderness. It's a place I put myself in quite often. You pick up these skills, these tactics, you make it all yourself. But there is a pattern with these. Making new spells is hard, and talking with people around gives you a good idea of what to try and what works best. So just a little bit of practice and, I guess, past experience that I can't quite remember helps me pick things up quickly. Makes a lot of sense. I feel like I didn't quite have enough, so I have started venturing into, and he'll pull out the book again that he brought out earlier, different forms of magic. Sometimes you can't rely on just your own skills. Sometimes you have to use tools as well. Now isn't that one true? <laughs> uh, for me especially, my uh, competence is questionable at times. think you do a fine job as a lookout, despite the teasing. <laughs> I do manage to fluke it, I will admit. And when I do fall, I tend to land on my feet and walk off gracefully. Perhaps it's a matter of luck. That's understandable. I mean, I've been nearly two centuries as a medic and sometimes a situation still pops up and it feels like you're just uh, winging it. I suppose it's as you said earlier, it just takes time. Do you mind if I ask you one more question? Back when we were doing our stealth mission, I used a spell of Detect Magic. And it does grant me, essentially, the ability to see magical auras. He would, um, after a second, tense up as understanding goes through him. Oh, yes? I did see something within you that had a magical aura. Oh yes, my innate talent for magic, of course. No, uh, you're curious about that. He does look considerably tense. <laughs> it's nothing to concern yourself with, just a medical thing. I do not wish to discuss it. That's fine. Just as long as you are aware. Very much so. Fishman will look very curious for a bit and like look up and like just think what it could mean, but then he won't think mm. much past that. And then probably he'll come back and gesture. I appreciate you being open about this, and I feel like every time I approach you I have nothing but questions, but it is who I am, I'm sorry. No, well, thank you for listening. I think I often get told that I either talk too openly or not at all, and that's annoying either way, so... I do yeah. not find it annoying at all. 
Well, other facilities right up there. Did you want to join or did you have somewhere else to be? I should probably make my way back to the Polaris. But thank you. Of course. No, thank you very much. I'll find somewhere I can put all these bags when I talk to the staff. All good. And he'll gesture back to the book and then some spell components and magical ink. I have more pages to fill. Day by day, perhaps I'll get there. (laughs) As he, like, walks away backwards and puts everything back into his possession and makes his way back to the Polaris. Obviously helping put the bags back as well. Janus and Gaul, you are continuing your uh, conversation in the streets of Ankhathir. Uh, that's why I'm thinking of Tyber as the name for number six. Oh, I think that's a wonderful name. I, I think you should definitely go for it. Yes, no, so, um, yes, wonderful family. But of course, if I told you where they lived, I'd have to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so do you, um, do you make your way to Ankhathir often? Fairly often, no, but since I've been with the Polaris, it is our main port of call, as I'm sure Neris has told you. Any things to do? Are you a, are you a local? Did you sail all the way over here at the, the immediate behest of our good friend, the quartermaster? Oh no, I've not. Uh, I've not sailed for some time. I'd like to get back out into the ocean sometime, but um, uh, duty calls here. More of a um, well, I guess I'm similar to uh, the Polaris, except I'm more land-based. I uh, yeah. take up odd jobs and, and do what needs to be done. I'm doing a uh, sort of a guarding contract at the moment. Not. Not with you, I've got an afternoon off, obviously. There's a little bit of construction happening just around the docks, so I need people to keep an eye out for any rapscallions who are trying to steal any tools or something or other. So, oh, of course. A bit of hired muscle work. There's always a worthwhile bit of coin to that. It is uh, It is very important work, but, you know, it does, yeah. does get a little bit tiresome. I'd like to uh, get out and do something... Uh, a little bit more varying again at some stage, and perhaps I will when this contract ends, but... Of course, well, you know, cracking skulls can only take you so far. Well, um, I try and avoid that as much as possible. You know, nothing can be solved easier than with just a polite conversation. Now I see why you and Neres are friends. (laughs) That is not the same for me. Such is the life, um, but I mean, being here in Ankithir and having a, I mean, it's a steady job, at least, and I get a little bit of time off, like, uh, this afternoon, I get to go out and, well, I mean, whenever Neris comes back. Obviously, I don't want to, uh, I don't want it to seem like, uh, I'm only here to bodyguard you, because obviously, I mean, look at you, you don't need bodyguarding, I'm just here. Oh, of course not. (laughs) Well, mostly pretty good at taking care of myself. (laughs) Well, I mean, you definitely look the sort. I mean, you've got the muscles. The muscles, yes. The physique. Yes, absolutely. Uh, You seem like the sort of person that would well, win any sort of uh, conversation, if you will. There's thugs who like to fight, you know, and get scrap and all that sort of stuff. And then there's what I like to call an apex predator, and that, that's my sort of thing. Well, it gives him another big, sharp tooth grin. There is a grin in return, but there's like a brightness to his eyes, as if he seems to be genuinely enjoying the conversation. He says, well, I mean, if you're, um, I don't know how much you'll get to do here in Ankithir, there's... Um, just sort of wanton fighting is usually frowned upon, well, in most areas. Um, but I mean, if you're free tonight, I mean, I'm uh, I'm down at the fighting pits on the dock. I haven't been there in years. Oh, I'm a, uh, I'm a regular there. I know, we'll have to see what I'll be doing, of course, but uh, yes, perhaps that'll be a good idea. 
Yes, well, if you do, uh, if you do turn up, then I'll I'll see you there. I'll show you around, introduce you to a couple of faces, and um, yeah. I think that's probably what I need at the moment. Just you know, get the muscles working. Of course, it uh, it definitely helps sometimes. Um, is that little man? And Cole just kind of looks over his shoulders and looks up at the sun a little bit, um, as if to try and figure out how long it's been. And it's probably about this time that you see, not limping, but definitely favouring one side more than the other. Neris is slowly wandering down the street again to come up to the two of us. You are not where I expected you to be. Janus turns around with a sort of flash of a sharp grin at the sound of Neris's voice. Ah, Shogdash cast a fair wind our way. Gull and I have been getting along wonderfully when I just simply got carried away. You didn't tell me you knew such a wonderful storyteller, Quartermaster. Gull was regaling me with tales of the Ancoriac. Sounds like it was a wonderful ship to sail with when you were stationed there. Truly nothing like a merchant ship is there. It was an interesting experience, yes. And it should be noted at this point, as Neris approaches the group, Gaul does straighten himself up a little bit, kind of puff his muscles out just a touch, <laughs> and looks down at Neris, almost in a deferring manner. And Neris will give a little nod to Gaul. Thank you for your time. I know you were extremely busy at the moment with your contract, and I appreciate you taking the afternoon off at my request. Oh, well, you know, it's, it's uh, <clears throat> perfectly fine more than happy to serve in the capability that you requested. Gaul just kind of stands there. A very different tone. He still seems... He's not tense. Merely just more professional. Jonas kind of just like looking between them. Just to get him with that same grin. Well, you very good assessment, I'd say. We had a wonderful time. I do appreciate you accompanying me, Gaul, as well. How did your business go, Quartermaster? It went favourably. Heads of the Hydra have been informed of everything of import, and we will be acquiring new goods and supplies. Fantastic. Uh, again, go. I appreciate your uh, keeping me company while Nero's the quartermaster, captain, interim captain, is doing his business. Well, I was just doing my job, <laughs> uh, which, of course, reminds me and Neris will take out a small pouch and just kind of sit to Gaul, who will, without moving anything other than his arm and his face, like, stays the same in that little half-grin, just reaches out lightning fast and grabs it from the air and just very slowly pockets it again in these little baggy shorts. Well, it has, as always, been a pleasure, and it was lovely meeting you and hearing all about your wonderful life. I hope that everything goes well for you in the future. I do too. I uh, appreciate the talk. It was much needed, I think. Perhaps I shall see you tonight. And he winks at Gaul. And his little professional face cracks a little bit as almost like a childlike excitement flashes across his eyes. Uh, well, <clears throat> we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, I will be there regardless, and I'm sure that if you... Uh, get a chance later on down the track I'm sure we can make any form of uh, arrangements necessary as well. Of course, yes we shall see, I believe we're to be docked here for some time still Well, perfect, uh, I might run into you again then. Well thank you both and I can sense I'm no longer required, so oh. bye, and flicks out his wings flaps up and takes off into the air. Oh, well and he just like grins as he flies back and then he snaps his attention back to Nero's. Interesting fellow. 
He's had a lot of life experience. He's very good at protecting people. Sounds like you have had a fair bit of life experience too yourself. How do you mean? Oh, well, I just had a couple of things to say about you too. Sounds like you were good friends. We suited each other's purposes. Of course. I mean, that is the, the definition of friendship, really. Being a comfortable simpatico with someone. I don't think I was ever comfortable in his presence. Ah, well. You said you were lo looking for something when you were on board the ship, actually. That was many years ago, and... Of course, I would not want to pry. Well, I mean, you don't really have much of a choice, seeing as someone has just told you everything about myself, but that's fine. No, don't worry about that. It wasn't that much, although, I mean, we could have been talking about anything. You were in that meeting for a long time. Political meetings do take some time. Indeed. I apologize if I kept you waiting. It's no trouble to me. We just missed your company, that's all. Neris is squinting harder and harder at almost every single thing that Janice is saying. It has been some time since I have had sound rest. I am probably sounding a bit ridiculous. Was there much else you wished to do in Ankathir? I try to avoid being off ship as much as possible. I find the Polaris or whatever vessel I serve on. I know everything about it. It is... Comfortable? Comforting? Safe. I understand that. Sort of like your room or something. That's the place where you know where everything is, and everything's there for a certain purpose. And that's where you can just be yourself. I would like you to understand that, with your absence, the captain made the decision to promote your two assistants, and they unfortunately for... needed a place to stay. <clears throat> Fishman informed me, and uh, Forrest and Tim told me all about it too. They were very excited about the honor of filling my shoes for a while, apparently. They were big shoes to fill. Whilst I'm not sure what I can do in the short period of time before the sun sets tonight, I would very much like to ensure that you have a place somewhere to rest your head for tonight while we sort out a more permanent solution. It is a difficult position that I am in. I do have certain powers, but as interim captain, I cannot necessarily demote somebody. It is understandable. It is only an interim position for now, after all. With any luck, the a captain will be back up to fighting health in no time, and your acquisition of your previous positions will be, I'm sure, his first priority. Well, we'll have to see. I'm sure he'll have a great deal to catch up to the rest of the crew with. I know there's, there's limited things you can do, but I appreciate the sentiment regardless. It is a good mark of a good leader, after all, to look out for all of his crew. Should we return to the Polaris? If you wish to. Would you mind if I just... We've started walking at this point. Would you mind if I tried something while we were walking? What do you wish to try? I wish to attempt to see you. <laughs> I'd normally tell you to buy me a drink first. In what way? That amulet you wear around your neck. It yes. should prevent any form of magical detection or identification. Of I course. wish to see if it has taken effect, and if it is doing what it is intended to do. What would you like me to do? Walk on? Let's continue to walk, and Neris is going to sort of sift through his component pouch and pull out his uh, magical tome, which is 
now sort of floating in front of him through aid of uh, a mage hand, just sort of there as a moving pedestal, mm. as he's flicking through a few pages. And <laughs> as all the components are ready, um, Neris will say, No, I want you to relax. This is not invasive magic. I'm not attempting to penetrate your mind. I'm just attempting to identify if it is working. Jazz does look a lot more tense, but it also looks like he's trying to, like, shove that down. And Neris is going to reach out a hand in the final component of this spell and place a hand on Janice's arm. And he's going to try and just cast Identify on Janice. Now, the wording of this is if you touch a creature instead of an object you learn what spells, if any, are currently affecting it. However, this is divination magic, so Neris's hope here is not that we receive a, a negative response, it's that we get no response. Has Janice attuned to the... I would assume if he was just talking to Gaul and they weren't really doing anything huge, I would assume that would probably count as yeah. a short rest. Okay, in that case, yeah, there is no response on the spell. Reflexively, Neris does feel Janice's arm flexes, almost like the, there's a great deal of effort that he's trying not to do that, but he has anyway. But he is calm and just looking like slightly to the side of where Neris is. It's almost to you, Neris, as if you're casting Identify and the spell is responding to you like, person? What person? Obviously not literally, but uh, it's kind of the vibe. Excellent. So Neris feels the magic leave his hand and enter this figure. And he waits and there's no pulse of energy back. And Neris will remove his hand. Ah! Didn't even know I was holding my breath. Is it satisfactory? An answer you were seeking? It works. Janice turns more fully towards Neris and stops in the stream. And again, he has a big shark grin, but it's a lot more turned off at the corners. He's like, really? Right. It works. You are undetectable from divination, Major. They won't be able to find me. <laughs> Magic is wild. It is. Oh, I can breathe again. There is a quartermaster, uh, interim captain. I cannot thank you enough. And Janice sweeps Neris off into like, a hug. Oh. Like to the point that like his feet would probably leave the ground. Like that kind of bear hug. Oh, it's not. Uh, it's very not. Oh. Sorry. Uh, okay. Hang on. There we go. Oh. <laughs> Puts him back down again. Got caught up in the moment there. This is a great weight off my mind. Is your back alright? Uh, my arm is almost pinned to my chest. Um, well, the good news is, it works. I would like to do more investigation into a more permanent solution. However, this, if you continue to wear it, will prevent any form of divining magic from reaching you. Janusk reaches into his shirt, holds the amulet that's still around his neck, and then kisses it. Like, I'm never taking it off. 
that is good. I do not know the quality of the chain that it is on, so maybe be careful around the salt water, but I'm sure it is fine. That will be difficult for me. I think a long swim is in order. Right, well, <clears throat> F to you then. Of course, I shall lead the way. <laughs> oh, this is wonderful. <laughs> they can't find me. <laughs> and then he doesn't bound off, but like he's always a little bouncy to his gait. Conversely, Neris almost loses Janice, as now that he has realized that this amulet works, waves of exhaustion just hit him almost immediately, and his eyes begin to like droop, uh, and he begins to like hunch over, and the limp becomes a little bit more pronounced as he begins walking head down only every now and then sort of looking up to figure out where this this figure is in front of him so he can use that as a guide to correct his navigation and walk in that direction for a while before he needs to look up again and we return to the ship and i guess go our separate ways neris returns to his yeah. study Jonas sort of like straightens himself up captain let me know when you want to report and then he will stride off Neris will nod with his eyes closed. Neris will walk to his study, sit down at his desk, open up a book in front of him, just sort of make a little check mark against a note, and then just face first into the desk. Fishman. You find yourself in the middle of a vast body of water. A great number of other beings similar to yourself are visible on all sides, seemingly to form ranks and files, as if in a military formation. You float, still in the water alongside your compatriots, waiting for... something. You don't know. You feel like this is some sort of memory, but it is too faint to grant any understanding of what's going on. There's a shadow in the distance that appears to be growing larger, as if indicating an oncoming force. You hear a call a few ranks ahead of you, INCOMING! And you brace yourself for combat, drawing a blade of pure ice from your armor as if by magic. spawn! And with that call you see what seems in this moment to be an endless army of monstrous humanoids coated in coral and barnacles and swimming in a shambling fashion. You move at one with the military force you stand within, and the two forces clash, almost looking to merge together from an outside perspective as the two armies force their way into each other. You hear one of your commanders call out, FIND THE FAR DWELLER! TAKE IT OUT! You look around reflexively trying to find whatever this Far Dweller is, as if you know what you're looking for. And suddenly, it catches your eye. A massive, strange, fish-like creature, about six meters long, and almost eel-like, if it weren't for its tendrilous fins, reaching out and striking at your allies. You will the blade in your hand to shift into a spear as you throw it into the creature, a move echoed by a number of your allies around you, some strike it and do damage, though a great deal seem to miss or bounce off. The blood oozing from the creature seems to bleed out like a deep green sap, and you see your allies reeling in pain as they come in contact with it. 
You continue to fight, though you don't see the conclusion of this battle before you are drawn back to consciousness, as if it were all a dream. I want that weapon. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess Fishman would sit up in a pant, cold sweats, panicked, and will quickly grab his journal beside his bed and start writing. So, Lorang, where do we find you this fine evening? So, on this evening, about three or four days after we have left the Polaris, there are a lot of things running through Lorenz's mind. In the immediate aftermath of the combat on the Polaris against the Sin Seekers, still bloodied and bundled in her captain's coat, uh, which I will add she did get Irik off of the Polaris before we left. I forgot to specify that she does have her baby boy. She, without a word, would have brushed off everyone who went to talk to her. The large orc that walks our ship with green skin and yellow hair named Angel would have tried to talk to her and she would have brushed them off. She would have brushed off the tiefling named Stabbings, our ship surgeon. And she would have brushed off Cerise. She would have returned her coat to her, still bloodied, and she would have gone up into her normal crow's nest and then she would not have come down for three or four days. No one sees her eat, no one sees her sleep. They know she is eating only because Irik goes to the kitchens to get her food. They only know she is not dead because occasionally she calls down her normal navigator reports. Then this evening, in the dark, when the crew are at their lowest monitoring the deck, she stands up, she is not wearing her shoes, She has cleaned as much of her own blood off herself as she can, and she has spent these days attempting to repair her clothes, but her vest was mostly destroyed. And she has instead fashioned it into a sort of leather crop top with little crossover sections at the bottom. But she is not wearing that either. She is just wearing her mended undershirt and her loose pants with none of her jewellery, except for her mother's wedding ring. In the night, any crew looking up would see her barefooted. For the crew know what she is, at least as much as anyone can glean from how she looks. They know less than the crew of the Polaris now do. She stands on the edge of the crow's nest, balancing high in the sky. And then with no warning and without a sound, she leaps from the ship in a perfect Olympic dive into the water, shooting straight down 30, 40, 60 feet until it is dark and quiet. And she breathes in the water. She is sick of having air in her lungs at this point. And she just lets the water be her home. We all know it's thicker than air and she just lets it slow her mind down. It has been racing since that creature bubbled to the surface and showed what it did. As much as it did, she knows there is more. And here in the water where she feels safest, she waits to see if there is anything around her 
Are there any creatures, any fish, any Sahugan looking for a fight? No, there are some small fish in the middle distance and general sea life, but certainly nothing looking for a fight. Neither is she, but there is something knocking at the back of her mind. And she does not want to let it out, but it feels bigger than it ever has. And it feels different. She has been compelled before to let loose the spines, the wings, the claws and talons and teeth. This is a feeling she has not felt since she was very, very young and hurt someone very, very close to her. And in the quiet, 60 feet in the water, just for a moment, she just wants to see what the knocking wants. It has been years, and she cannot hold it back in this moment. And she sings. Just a few lines of wordless notes. Do any of the fish turn to look? One by one, the fish in the vicinity turn to look and slowly make their way towards you. You continue to sing. She wants to, but she is not quite herself. She sings a little more. Roll me. 1d6? I think it might be, yes. Four. Four. Okay. Some of the smaller fish, as they come towards you, stop and drift onto their sides and start to kind of float upwards. Dead. Yes. She clamps a hand over her own mouth and physically holds her jaw shut until she can push the feeling back. If I read this correctly, Darby, the fish don't turn away. So yeah, she holds her mouth shut. And when that initially doesn't prove enough, she literally holds her own throat to stop her vocal cords from moving until she can push this back. And I assume she watches the fish swim away. Other than the few smaller ones that continue to just slowly float up as if levitating towards the surface. One thing about being underwater is no one can tell when you're crying. Lorenz stays underwater. She can never feel human. She has never felt human. But until she feels as far from herself as she can, and she calls that human. And then she swims back up to her ship, lands like a corpse on the deck. And the crew are worried, certainly, because she has not been on deck in days, but they were never worried about where she was. Even underwater, Irik flies where she goes, marking her spot. And she stands, and she nods to all the deck crew. And she says, if anyone wants fish for dinner, 
It's an easy catch tonight. And then she will walk to her room. And the camera pans out to the ocean as the crew look overboard and see the handful of small fish ascending to the surface. Neris, after a long day of trying to find a solution, how do we find you? So after the uh, conversation with Janice and realizing that the amulet has, in essence, worked, Neris has made his way back into his study where he tried to make some notes on the day. Um, take a bit of a stock on everything that happened, uh, check off a few items that he's done before just passing out at his desk, Quill still in hand, making a little indent into the desk as he's still grasping it, just kind of pointed up. And I think it's just quiet. As there is that soft inhale, exhale. And Naris is... Dreaming? Thinking? He is no longer on the Polaris. He's no longer anywhere. He's standing in this slowly rolling bed of mist, alone in this vast expanse of nothing. There's no sky, there's no ground, there's no structures at all. Just nothing. Just the mist slowly and lazily floating around Neris's feet, carried by a breeze that doesn't exist. Neris looks around for a moment, sort of pondering where he is and what this means, before noticing a thin wisp of mist, slowly spiralling and rising up behind him. Neris watches this mist begin to gain substance, and start to form a humanoid figure. Silently gains more and more features, fingers, hair, clothing, a face. This figure in the mist, the newly formed body of Aloysius, that sin seeker that Neris teleported to the bottom of the ocean a few days ago. A face contorted in a silent scream of rage and hatred as barnacles form from the mist on shoulders and arms of this figure. Seawater spills from Aloysius's mouth as this scream, silent but deafening, terrifies Neris as he stands, rooted in place in this empty expanse. The mist begins to roll more viciously as Neris's heart beats faster and faster in the face of this figure before him and he notices two more figures of mist begin to form behind Aloysius still humanoid but larger hulking almost figures towering over Aloysius these two still faceless in this moment stare down at Neris and a thin trickle of blood begins to trickle down 
from the deformed ears of these new mist forms. And as the mist underneath Neris's feet turns red, Neris is shunted out of this realm and wakes up in a pile of sweat, his heart beating incredibly fast, and the only thing he can hear is this incredible high-pitched ringing in the back of his head. And that's all we get.